Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. Hey, sorry, I hit the wrong one. I hit the microphone. <laughs> That's all right. I'm over so, here still figuring out a couple of things on my end as well. That's all right, man. How are you? I'm can doing, you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. How are you doing? Doing well. I hope you are. I am. I appreciate you inviting me to be a part of this. I, I've been wanting to have you on for a while. Uh, whenever you did, um, you know, Mike Watts show, I was like, you know, I, I, I thought, yeah. well, I'll put some time between that and, and when we do it. And then it just, it just things happen. And then you would show up on Mike Watt again. I'd be like, oh, crap, I need to get Mike, uh, get Scotty on. And then uh, <laughs> the other day, I'm like, man, I really need to get him on sometime soon. So well, I'm honored that you would even think of asking me. I'm still blown away that Mike still wants to talk to me. Yeah, well, we'll talk about I, all I try not to be, it still blows my mind sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I told Mike, I, I said, this is how I was introduced to you, staying up too late on a school night, watching a show on MTV called The Cutting Edge. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And I was introduced to the Minuteman on that show. I said, that's how I remember seeing you on MTV. You know, and I said, and years later, hear all this, you know, and I said, it's just bizarre to me, man. I said, it's great, but it's, I don't know, it's it's, it's, it's just funny. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We'll talk about that in a little more in a little bit. You might see I'm wearing a Mike Watt shirt. So uh, he's he's my he yeah, is yeah. my looks kind of familiar. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's, he's my he's my rock and roll. I don't care when you can see it or not. Oh yeah, Aaron yeah. shirt. Yeah, old. Heck yeah. Uh, but Mike Watt's my rock and roll hero and my my rock and roll role model. I guess you could say so. So we'll definitely talk about all that in a little bit. He's really a cool guy. Definitely. Um, and so we'll, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, so today I'm talking to Scotty Irving, and Scotty Irving has a project called Clan Quartet you might be aware of. Um, he's been in the music scene for a really long time. And, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and kind of get this out of the way. The way I became a, a, aware of Scotty was when I first started going to shows at the Milestone, I was like 17, and they had Sunday night matinee shows. Um, so it was all ages shows on Sunday nights, and me and my friend Matt found out about them. The first show we went to was a band from South Carolina called Tonka. Um, it was them, Cerebellum, and Plaid Retina. Uh, Cerebellum, I believe, from, from Raleigh. And then we're like, we've got to come out to every show out here that we can. And the next show that we came to was Geezer Lake, uh, King Kill 33 Degrees, and Snatch. I think both of those bands for, were from Georgia. I didn't know if we are going to go back to... I didn't know how far we were going to go back, but yeah. Geezer Lake is uh, it was a good place for us. Yeah, we didn't have much of an audience there at first, and then we played a show with um, uh, Buzz Oven. Yeah, yeah. And Buzz Oven basically told us, "Play a show with us there, and you'll have an audience any other time you play there." And they were right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was yeah that was that was the way to do it. You know, we we played with them, and I think it was a group called Bloody Mary. Yeah. 
uh, I also enjoyed them. But yeah, that place was packed that night, man. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, I think this was uh, 1991, and the place was not packed because those Sunday night matinee shows generally weren't packed, but they were friendly for guys like me that weren't 18 and couldn't get in there yet on a Friday night yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a good place for us to get, you know, to know the management of nothing else. Yeah. But yeah, we still had a little ways to go in terms of getting an, of getting an audience in Charlotte. But um, yeah, I still enjoy playing there then. But if you told me uh, during those shows that we were going to have a packed house eventually, I'd have probably laughed at yeah. you, but it, it, it happened. So. But uh, you, at that time, you guys became one of my favorite bands in, in North, not not only in North Carolina, but just one of my favorite bands at the time because I was like really discovering not only punk rock but the local scene at the same time, and that was really kind of you know finding all these different styles of music and different things going on out there that were hard to find in Kings Mountain, as you know, going to just the regular record stores. It was really cool and really just life changing. You know, your band as well as a lot of other bands from this area. Uh, that I discovered during that time, but we'll talk about you, we'll talk about all that a little bit more later too. But I kind of like to do what Mike Watt does. Um, my question, I always try to word it a little bit differently, and I didn't realize that we were asking the same question to start the podcast off with. But it's kind of like, "What's your first musical memory?" is the way he asks the question, and I always just say, "Like, what's the first thing about music that grabbed a hold of you that made you think I want to be a part of this?" Oddly enough, I was already playing music when this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started playing music kind of out of boredom, um, which is hard for me to believe considering how much I've loved it over the years. But originally, I was interested in playing trombone mm-hmm. because I thought it looked cool. And my very, very wise mother uh, knew that my listening habits at that time did not lean towards that instrument. She says, Try to pick an instrument that you hear more in the music that you're listening to and try to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And that was a very good decision on her part. And she also said years later that she was trying to avoid me making some god-awful sounds. <laughs> it sounded like a goose stuck in a blender, I believe was the exact word she used. Um, there's some great trombone players out there, and I've, I've had the pleasure of playing with several of them. Yeah. I don't necessarily think I would have been one of them. <laughs> anyway, I narrowed it down to uh, guitar and drums. I've had a love-hate relationship with guitar ever since then. Mm-hmm. started taking drums in sixth grade band and was enjoying it somewhat and uh, happened to walk into my uh, – I have an uncle who's just a little bit older than me. He's more, more like a brother than an uncle. Um I could sit here and talk about him all day because there was a brief period where we actually talked about being in a band and stuff like this. Yeah. But a lot of the music that I got into initially was because of him. And we had just come to see him. My family lived a good distance away from the rest of my family at the Mm -hmm. time. And I I remember coming into his bedroom and he had uh, ACDC's Highway to Hell on. Yeah. Just in time for me to hear Girls Got Rhythm. (laughs) And first off, I couldn't get over, you know, I'm like, wow, what is this? I couldn't get over the voice. I couldn't get over the rawness. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, what is this? I want to hear more of it. And, uh, you know, that's, they're my all-time favorite band. I've seen them like 11 times. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it was just one of those things where – I actually started listening to it and actually started thinking of myself playing music. Whereas before that, I was already playing it, 
but I didn't really have any joy with it. I mean, not the joy. I mean, I was enjoying it, but it wasn't like, wow, I can't wait to play this show. Suddenly, I started thinking differently about it. And I guess this is kind of uh, where my teacher started noticing something different about me because um, my teacher actually, a uh, drum teacher at the time, actually had me switch uh, some of the drums. We didn't have a very big band. One person played snare, one person played bass drum and things like that. But he actually started moving me around a little bit. So I mm -hmm. actually started getting to know some of the separate instruments. Yeah. I must have shown something uh, to him that he thought, hmm, maybe I should try to get him to learn some other things. And I'm forever in his debt because, well, mm. years later, you know, hard to believe, but it's uh, 43, it'll be 44 years in September. Yeah. Good <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> 44 good years, uh, memorable. Something, you know, there's been some bad, but the good far, far, far outweighs the bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that, that, that's that's kind of where it started, and I mean that was like a, a pebble about to turn into a very very large avalanche, and I guess the avalanche is still going. Yeah. So, yeah, look out below. <laughs> <laughs> I had my experience with the trombone. I joined in, in middle school when we got the chance to join band. I joined band, but I really I wanted to either play drums or I wanted to play saxophone. <laughs> everybody either wanted to play drums or saxophone, so he had to find a place for everybody, and and I got stuck at trombone. Um, yeah. At the time, I'm like, well, that's not cool. You can't really be in a band and play trombone. But I didn't know about Scott at the time. <laughs> uh, you know, that's cool. I, I have to add this. Yep. Years later, I had long hair and everything. I had hair in general. I don't have any right now at all. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I kind of gotten established as, as a drummer and stuff like that. And that love was pretty much out front. Anybody that saw me knew it. Mm -hmm. And. The band director I had at that point was a gentleman by the name of Eddie Henderson. Rest in peace. Love that man to death. One of the best teachers I ever had. Um, and he would get different people to come to some of the middle schools with him, or elementary schools with mm -hmm. him, I should say, uh, to recruit future band members. And he didn't take me with him. And he told me later on, he says, I don't want you to have your feelings hurt. Please understand this. If I took you with me, I'd have two people wanting to play trumpet and 18 people wanting to play drums. <laughs> I said, thank you very much. I understand. So, he said, that's just exactly what it'd be like. Oh, that's cool. I want to do that. He, yeah. said, you know, he said, I couldn't even have a decent drum and bugle core out of that, man. So, you know, anyway. <laughs> I thought that was but just 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 wrap my story up. I, I've told it recently on the podcast, so the, the listeners will be bored by it anyway. But I never got good at it. A year and a half later, I'm out of the band, and it's I might as well have never touched a trombone. I could probably make a noise on one these days, but that's about it. Um, but you know, it, it, and it, honestly, it didn't really even spark an interest in playing music at the time. It just it was a couple of years later. You know, just getting into hard rock was maybe want to pick up a guitar. Um, yeah. So you know, the band thing was just a thing I did for a little bit. Sorry, I was going to say, I'm, I was already playing an instrument that just happened to be something you could play within a hard rock yeah. or matter any other setting. I mean, you could play country, you could play classical music, which is some of the stuff I was playing in the uh, band at that time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it it actually opened doors in a lot of different kinds of music, some of which I wasn't interested in then, mm -hmm. but things changed. Oh, yeah. Anyway. So when was the first time you... Played in a band. How old were you at um, that point? Well, I count school band as my first band. Okay. 
and I was uh, let's see, I would I would still been twelve then. Yeah, I was I, when I started when I was twelve, and I would have still been twelve. Um, it blows my mind to think about this, but we actually played uh, some of our first shows. I think it was like just six or seven months after we'd been playing. Don't get me wrong; these were hardly, you know. We, we were not virtuosos, and what we were playing was definitely base level, but the fact that we had come along far enough to actually get in front of an audience and play anything at that point, mm-hmm. looking back on that, it's actually kind of amazing. I mean, that says something about the teaching that yeah. we had. Um, I mean, I'd love to take credit for some of the playing and everything, but I, I think it had more to do with the guidance we were having at that point. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I was talented to take it on my own. I mean, it was, you know... The fact that they could do that year after year, um, I just that kind of blows my mind. But I thought, you know, started in September, and by I think it was uh, April. Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe in the spring we were already playing a show. Yeah, yeah. played uh, several of them. Played in front of people, you know, a little bit younger than us. I have to mention this. My dad was a uh, highway patrolman at the time. He couldn't make it to the first one. Mm-hmm. But he was at the second one, and he was sitting in the back. <laughs> and all the kids saw him. They're like, "There's a policeman in here!" <laughs> I told Dad, I said, "I could hear them talking the whole time about the fact that there was a policeman in there." And I said, "I loved it." I said, "Boy, those kids were minding." Oh man, you know, but they're like, in the back. I said, "That's my dad." Yes, <laughs> I love. Dad's laughed about that too. Dad said I was determined to get into one of those that day. So I said I love the fact you showed up in uniform. He said I tried to be, you know, kind of be out of sight. I said, yeah, right. (laughs) I said in that uniform, that's not going to happen. Anyway, we had a good laugh about. Boy, those kids saw him and they were like, "It's a policeman in there." (laughs) You know, I think they about us for a while. Anyway, but that uh, you know that we played like I think we played two shows the first day and two shows the next day and i think was there something else later on maybe it's been a long time mm-hmm. i know we played several shows like right there in a row and then he combined the sixth grade and seventh grade bands the seventh grade band had just gone through a music book they didn't like the way that they'd gone through it wanted to do it again mm-hmm. and it just so happened that was the book we were about to start so he decided to combine bands, which honestly he needed to because there weren't that many people there to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, necessity was, you know, where, where this came from. But, uh, yeah, that's that was actually it turned out to be a good move. Um, but, yeah, we uh, that that helped me get ready to um, play in a larger band setting. I, at one time, I was actually one of two people, the other of which was, uh, her name was Lisa Green. She's Lisa Green Wood now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the two of us were actually playing in the high school uh, band when we were still in eighth grade. So, okay. you know, a little prep there. I was I was scared to death, but I wasn't doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, say, I don't think about that. I always talk about my first stage experience being in the, the high school talent show with the little band that we put together. But I forget, I had, I had band concert. That was actually my first... Yeah. stage experience that's my first concert was with the with the middle school yeah. band i like to say that one because if i think about some of the other stuff that happened later i didn't have quite as much confidence then and plus you know 
I didn't have a band director to, uh, as I told Mike Watt, I didn't have the band director to, you know, keep the beer bottles and stuff from being thrown at me there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there were quite a few thrown. Yeah, and probably still will be today. So. Different environment for sure. That that's definitely for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's de- def- definitely a different thing. And I mean, you read about it, but you can't really understand it until you're there. Yeah, you know, like oh wow, this is actually maybe a little worse than I thought it would be. And, <laughs> but at the same time, you're like, well, I'm doing it. It's not pretty, but I'm trying. Yeah, yep. you know. <laughs> so when was the first time? What What was the first like rock band you played? Didn't you play in any bands like that in high school, or did you, was it in, later on before you did that? We attempted. I say we attempted. My uh, the uncle I mentioned, uh, Jay Stanley's his name. Mm-hmm. We attempted to start a band, and it just didn't work out. He was not as into it as I was after so long, and. Um, it just wasn't meant to happen yeah. with the two of us like that. Um, and eventually I played with some other people that were in school with me. We didn't play any shows or anything, but I did play some things with them, you know, just outside of school. Um, played a Halloween party with a couple of guys that was actually really bad. Nobody <laughs> 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 tried to kill us or anything, but it was pretty bad. Um I think the first show I ever, the first real show I ever played with a uh, an actual band, though, not just a bunch of guys getting up and playing cover songs, but mm. we actually got up and played some cover songs, but we played some originals, too. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was in 85, maybe. Mm-hmm. Several years after all this other stuff took place. I was still in school band, but... Um, and actually, I correct myself. We played a cover song. We were in a talent show, and we played Iron Fist by Motorhead and scared those oh, people nice. half <laughs> death. You know? Anytime I hear Iron Fist, it always brings a smile to my face. That was my introduction to Motorhead, and that was another one of those, oh, wow, kind of moments. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I thought the record was on the wrong speed first off. That was great. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, we scared those people half to death. Oh, yeah. It was hilarious. Um but uh, that particular group I was in actually played a few more shows, actually wrote some original songs. Um, we didn't do much more than just play at people's parties and play a few things at high school, but we did play out. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. We, if we'd ever had a gig club, we'd have gotten mowed down like a blade of grass. We'd have <laughs> never even known what to do with that. I think we could have gotten to that level, but I don't. I'm not going to name names, but I don't think they would have been able to handle it. I don't think I would have either initially, but I think I could have built up to it. Yeah. But we weren't ready. Yeah. Well, we weren't ready. Did you have a name for that band? The Wild. Just The Wild? <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Which, which compared to some of the stuff I'm doing now, it was The the Mild. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. It was it was nothing like, you know, what I'm doing now. Um and see I didn't even think about that then, but um uh it was it was a four piece at one time and then a three piece. We had one guy that would be there then wouldn't be there. And when he was there he was great. And when he wasn't there, we had to play a major fill in the void kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was so frustrating. Um that guy passed away a few years ago, though, and uh, I, the first thing I thought of is the one show that we did at the high school where it was all four of us, and it was hands down the best show we all did together. Mm-hmm. And he was 100% on that night, 
and we got a little idea of what it could be like if we could have pulled it together and stayed yeah. that way. But we broke up like a month afterward. It's it's a long, boring story, typical high school. Yeah. Uh, most of it is just high school drama, and I don't mean the class you take. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I, I I think about that, and I just think, you know, he was so dead on it that night, and, uh, you know, how great that went. And I just remember thinking, wow, this could actually go somewhere, and yeah, it didn't. So, you know, so it was wasn't I, meant to. Like hard rock, or you, you said you played oh, a motorhead cover? I would say somewhere between hard rock and heavy metal. Yeah. We did covers. We still did Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. We played a couple of Ozzy songs. We played... Um, we actually played a couple of Judas Priest songs, and then we played several originals, most of which, as usual at that point, our originals didn't really sound that, quote-unquote, original. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back on it, one of them sounded more like an Iron Maiden song than it did an original song, but it was our attempt. Yeah. We tried. Yeah, um, We had a little uh, work to do in the how to develop your own style department, mm-hmm. so, you know. You know, nobody nobody came after us or anything, so we were okay. We're on the bill that night with some other guys that I'd actually tried to be in a band with, and um, they were trying to play with a different drummer and everything. And I think they were struggling as much as we were. So you know, it, it was looking back on it, it was kind of funny because both of us were at a certain level trying to get past that level, and we couldn't get past that level, and we all wound up either not playing or in my case, I wound up playing with some other people and took it someplace else, you know, trying to play with the same people over and over again and expecting the same results. I believe that's the definition of insanity. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I love you guys, but man, it's like, there's too many potholes in this road. I got to get on a different road, man. <laughs> I've got, I'm kind of going through that right now. So we'll see what, oh, that, we'll see what happens with all that. <laughs> I hate to say it, but moments like this make me realize why my main show these days is um, <clears throat> one person. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not trying to say anything here, and yet <laughs> I'm saying everything. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I've been in bands. Most people that listen to this podcast have been in bands, so I'll, I'll put it like that. Everybody kind of knows that it's hard to deal with. It's like having another family, and, and you want to, like, strangle yes. them half the time. Like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And I mentioned, you know, my uncle and everything, love him to death. He has no idea sometimes why I focus on that three-year period so much. But that was the major motivational period for me. Mm -hmm. If that didn't happen, I mean, that's the roots to the tree that I'm, you know, that that has turned into me. A tree turned into me. I'm making a bad Dr. Seuss rhyme here. Um (laughs) But, I mean, you know, that if I look back on it, that time period is really what kept me focused. We yeah. weren't playing any shows, but I was bound and determined that we were going to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I had my eyes focused on something. Didn't actually happen. But I, you know, w- once everything, once I realized it wasn't going to happen with him, I was like, well, it's still going to happen somehow. Yeah. I've already come. I ain't getting off this road now. I've already come this far. Something's going to happen. But I'd get frustrated with him, and I'd start thinking about, you know, doing it by myself, which is kind of funny because I had no clue how to do it by myself at that point. Did not have a clue, and you know, I just, I just think it's funny that I got all 
you're, you know, thinking I could do it. You know, yeah. I didn't have a clue how to do it. And I'm like, you know, you, you needed an attitude adjustment then too, you moron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the things I look back on. I'm surprised people didn't take turns slapping me when I get right down Well, to the it. good thing is life comes with a learning curve. So you, you, you got to figure it all out. And you, you got to, sometimes you got to act like you know it all just to figure it curve, out. Holding on for dear life, man. <laughs> So after that, after the wild and, and, your, and the high school experience, what was the next thing that you did musically? Well, some of the same guys that I played with uh, in the wild wound up with me in a top 40 kind of metal band. We actually played clubs. And I, you know, funny thing is, I was one of the first ones of, the guy, of that group, though, to join that was underage. The lead singer, a guy named Danny Hazlip, Danny died last year. Danny had to sign a form mm. at so many of the places we played because I was underage that if I got out of hand, he would be held responsible. He never had anything to worry about. And he knew that. Yeah. But it was so weird being in a place where I was like two to three years younger than what the limit was for that place. And man, those people would watch me like a hawk. I'm mm. like, I'm here to play music. Don't give me a hard time. You know, but it was so weird. But we played a lot of shows. Um, the, the music at times was not something I was interested in. I enjoyed some of it, but I got a good experience uh, as far as what playing clubs was like. Yeah. And we, we'd play like three sets a night most of the time. So I got a good in, good idea of what endurance was like, too. Mm -hmm. um, but all this would eventually lead to me meeting a gentleman by the name of Larry Moore. Okay. Larry played with uh, this band with me for a while. And Larry, incidentally, knew some gentleman by the name of Eric Shepard mm -hmm. and Harrison Cannon. Okay. And uh, if those names ring a bell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> you know, Larry had a little bit to do with Geezer Lake in the beginning, but not so much after we got going. But really and truly, he's the one that introduced us. Yeah. He became something of an albatross around our necks after a while, so we had to move on without him. But he's the one that introduced us. Mm -hmm. And by that point, it was kind of like I said before, we'd already gotten going. We're like, you guys want to keep going? And we're like, yeah. So, you know, and uh, it's funny. He just invited me very casually to a rehearsal. It wasn't even a rehearsal. It was more like just some guys getting together and having some fun. But... Um, we got together that night, or that evening. Well, no. <laughs> if you're still there, you've frozen up on my end. Hmm. Uh, Scotty, I don't know if you can hear me or not. Uh, these are the technical difficulties I sometimes deal with. I don't... Looks like I've got a connection on my end, but somehow we are not... Yeah, ended. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see if I can call him.
Good evening, sir. There we How are. <laughs> Turn my volume up here just a little bit. No problem. How are the tacos? Oh, they were great. Actually, I had a torta, but uh, yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> okay, cool. What kind of shirt are you wearing? Uh, heart. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I picked this up at uh, Goodwill a while back. Um, Ain't no problem, man. I love that. And an antique. Yeah. Two, two great women performers, man, and don't get nearly enough credit. Oh yeah, I've yeah. Always, so. I, I finally got to see them uh, a few years ago, and they were really, there was really, they were really good live. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, I never have gotten a chance to see them live, um, but uh, I mentioned my uncle Jay Stanley. Um, one of the first albums we ever listened to together was uh, Dog and Butterfly. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I, I think I, now I don't, I don't think they're even playing together anymore. At least Ann and Nancy aren't playing together. I know it's some kind of, uh, I hate to say it, I think it was some kind of altercation with one of them's son or something. Mm, yeah, something weird like that. It was. That's uh, bad. Uh, anyway, so I, I don't really know what happened. I don't know what happened the other day when we were talking. It, it could have been the internet might have dropped out here momentarily. I know whenever it happened, I started checking all my other stuff and I was still connected with everything. Um, it might have been a Skype issue for all I know. Uh, but hmm. I know I sat here for about 20 minutes waiting to see if we could kind of connect. And, and I did too. And it, I did everything. I'm like, man, did I kill him? You know? <laughs> and then after a I while, was I, I was like, that. well, I, my daughter was downstairs. I'm like, well, you know, we need to take the dogs for a walk. Let me go downstairs. I'll kind of hang out and wait to see, see if I hear back from you. And just, you know, I never did, but I was away from the computer at that time. And then later, after you said you'd try to call, I looked at the computer. I'm like, dang, I missed his calls. <laughs> But I don't no. know if that was my fault, if it was a Skype issue. I don't, I don't know what it was, but regardless, I mean, technology, we have these issues. Um, every now and then it'll drop out or whatever. Usually we connect pretty easily. Uh, but like I said, learning curve for me, now I'm just going to make sure I get phone numbers before I do this because that way we can figure out what's going on. Because like I was telling my daughter, I, I was worried about you. I'm like, oh, man, I hope something bad didn't happen. You know? <laughs> well, I appreciate your concern, and as far as technology, yeah, it's great when it's working, and it's probably better when it's not me trying to work it. So you know, um, <laughs> thing on Sam here tonight for some reason. But that'll do. And what I'll do is I'll either I'll either just figure out a way to splice it together, or I'll put this explanation in there. I mean, sometimes I do that. Just leave the technical difficulties in. <laughs> As long as you can make it work the way you want it to work, and I don't come out looking completely uh, goofballish. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm expecting to look that way a little bit anyway, because I am. Well, um, I, I, but, I relate. Uh, I totally relate to that. That's what I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm a dork, and and I'm not. I'm make no apologies about it. So, hey, well, I am what I am. Yeah. Pardon the Popeyeism. <laughs> but I know the other night, or yesterday, not yesterday, Sunday afternoon, we were talking. And it froze up. You were just getting ready to talk about basically. I, I just you had talked, did a brief introduction about getting introduced to Eric and Harrison. And I think you were just getting ready to talk about the first night y'all got together. But you can kind of do whatever you want with that, and I'll figure out how to put it together. Yeah, um, Larry Moore was a gentleman who I had played with briefly in a uh, covers band I was in that was at one time called. Uh, stupid name secret affair later became china white china white actually became a pretty significant local band mm-hmm. not while i was with them um they but they were a much better band after i left i'm not trying to you know down myself they just went in a different direction started doing original music and yeah. it was actually very good yeah 
you know, I'm, I'm not trying to put myself down. I just like what they did better after I left. Um, but two of the gentlemen that played with them, one of them went to school, uh, but two of them went to school with me. One of them would later go to college with a guy named Larry Moore. Mm. Larry knew Eric and Harrison, and that's where the thing ties in with uh, Geezer Lake. Um, at first, it was me, Larry, Harrison, and Eric. And eventually, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but it became yeah. more and more obvious that it was it wasn't going to work out with us as a four piece for a while. We tried it, um, just, uh, me, Eric and Harrison. Mm -hmm. And that went pretty well. Um, we had invited Chris Clodfelter on stage one time during one of the uh, Larry shows. And even though he didn't actually have a written part to play, what he played, that evening was really, really good. Yeah. And I don't remember who it was. It was probably Eric suggested, you know, maybe getting him back in to try something else. And, uh, well, the rest is history. He was, you know, that that's really where it started. And he was with us. Um, I think he was there until 95, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And for a short while we managed to be a five piece. We brought his brother, Jim. Yeah into the uh, into the band and again i won't get into all the stuff that, uh, as to why it happened i would really love to have seen what we could have done as a five piece yeah yeah but, but chris decided to leave so we went from one clod filter to another as opposed to getting both of <laughs> yeah. um, that would have been so amazing but it, it was not meant to be yeah anyway um playing with jim was pretty amazing too uh See, that's what I'm saying, though. Those two guys together, man, that would have been amazing. Oh, yeah. So I just, I, you know, if I sit too long to think about it, I'm just like, you know, it, it almost makes me mad. It's like, man, we could have, you know, so I'm not going to do that right now. But <laughs> I've had the pleasure of playing with Chris and Jim a few times since then. And, you know, it's they still have it. Mm -hmm. they, they probably laugh when I say something like it, but they still have it. It's just a brotherly thing, I guess, but. It, it's just amazing. And, you know, I'm sure Eric and Harrison still have it. Um, Harrison's still playing. I don't know if Eric is playing as I don't, much. Right I, I, I'm, I'm friends with Eric on, online, and I sort of follow him. I don't think he's really playing a whole lot, like, not, not like you know, seriously, at least. Uh, Eric is one of those guitar players. He was not Mr. Fancy Licks and stuff like that. But what he did for a rhythm foundation was... It, it was beyond words. I mm. mean, if you get to the core of the songs, it was really, you know, what Chris or Jim did was more like, it was almost like if they weren't singing the guitar parts or whatever they would add, it would be more like uh, a melodic line or something like that over it. It would be something, it wouldn't be like the main rhythm of the song. Mm. That would be me, Harrison and Eric. And the three of us had an unusual relationship as far as playing music the only I've only worked with maybe five people in my entire life who I've been able to play music with. If we're playing something, one of us gets lost. Mm -hmm. We could turn around and look at each other, count it off and get back into it yeah. automatically. Eric and Harrison were the first two guys I ever played with that could do that. Mm -hmm. And believe me, the next band I played with, I won't say who it is, but I, God bless you guys. If you happen to see this, we couldn't do that. It was like a twig. 
get it. It was a train crash. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Benji Johnson, who I've had the pleasure of playing with as long as I've played with anybody, mm-hmm. um, I've played all kinds of different things with him. He's another one who's good at you know communication. We'll get back on it here in three, two, one, bam, we're back. Yeah. yeah. And I told him, I said, that's just a rare thing. And uh, the other person is Jeff Carmichael, who played uh, bass for a while with uh, Benjamatic as well. Um, but yeah, that's, you don't find people like that that you can communicate with as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I remember one night, me, Eric, and Harrison, we were just the, the show just kept going downhill, and we had to do that at least eight times. <laughs> but we got through the show. We were looking at each other afterwards, laughing our heads off. What was going on there? It was just it was just one of those nights, man. It was like we were having to dodge, you know. Nothing we did that night really worked, mm-hmm. but we somehow got through the show, and and people were loving it. And we're going, "You people are nuts! This was terrible." <laughs> I, you know, I, I've been on that end before, where I'm yeah, like, "Man, been I, at those, but <laughs> we shouldn't be too upset." So, yeah, whatever. I, I've definitely been on that end where I, where I'm talking about how bad it was, and somebody's like, "Oh, it was great! I didn't even hear you mess up," and I'm like. You're either being really nice, or or we didn't mess up as bad as we think we did. Because a lot of times I think it's yeah. in our heads. So. Sometimes I think maybe we should just shut up and let them be happy. Yeah. And other times, man, it's just it's just so hard. It's like, but you should hear me on a good night, <laughs> and then what I think is good night, they're kind of blasé about. Yeah. Uh, the definition of a good night. <laughs> What do you do? <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't know what the definition of a good night is. I'll, I've had some. We've 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 had some for sure. Uh, uh, plenty of them, but um, every one of them is different. So it's hard to like make a definition true. of what yeah. what made them a good night. True, true, true. Anyway, that's the that's the capsule history of Geezer Lake. Yeah. So you started much. Geezer Lake in about what what year would you say that was? That was in uh, the uh, Larry Moore stuff started in eighty nine. Okay, yeah. Uh, we weren't doing anything serious. We started to get more serious in 90. Mm-hmm. And the real Geezer Lake that most people remember, that really got started around the spring of 91. We put out the first single, um, mm-hmm. which was um, Field Blister. Mm-hmm. And uh, is it The Man Who Secretly Hated the World, I think, was I the think, other song. Yeah, I, think I believe on that one. Now, that one. Yeah, and I, I, it's it's so bad. I've got that, and I can't even think of what it is. <laughs> and people can't remember all that stuff. I'm like, it's not like I go through my own back catalog and yeah. know it by. I, I don't do that. But um, Chris, at that time, had not rejoined completely, but we got him to be involved in that recording session, mm-hmm. and we're like, we got to get him back in here. Yeah. So Eric suggested that first. I'm almost certain it was Eric. So if it wasn't, it was Harrison. Um, and I was definitely in agreement with it, you know, no regrets there. Yeah. So I actually started clan quartet while I was in geezer Lake, okay. by the way, I started yeah. clan quartet in early, uh, January of 97 and geezer Lake more or less, uh, broke up in January, excuse me, June of 97. Originally I was told that they were going to continue without me. I played my last show with them in June of that year and, I fully expected them to try and continue without me, and they chose not to. I have since heard from a couple of other band members that they never planned on continuing without me, but one of them said to my face that they were going to, so I, I don't know. 
Yeah. It didn't happen. Yeah. And it doesn't matter now anyway. So. And that, that last show, was that the Fat City in Charlotte? Uh, the last show was actually, that was one of the last shows, but the last one was at a place in Asheville. Okay. I don't remember the name of the place. Um, it was a place we'd never played before, if I remember correctly. And I have to mention this. We got a full five-star rating for King Frost Parade, our mm-hmm. new our new album at that time in uh, Alternative Press. It's a great album. And I told, I was telling Eric, I said, you know, one time this would have been enough to keep me in the band. <laughs> I said, I just can't do it, though. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it was nice to pull that out, and, we, you know, we got the highest review we could get in that. And I do think that's one of the best albums we did. Yeah. You know, it's really think, of the three, that's my second favorite uh, Feet in Mud Against my all-time favorite. That's, that's my favorite, too. that and everything i think part of the reason i enjoy that one is just i just you know the music part of it is certainly the main thing but i just remember how much i enjoyed us putting those songs together Mm -hmm. how much i enjoyed putting them together in a studio and just watching it you know just putting it together in general and just watching it turn into something far bigger than we ever expected it to and you know, Jerry Key's doing the recording for us and just getting together with him in the control room and listening to it and going, wow, is this us? Yeah. You know, realizing we were capable of something that I don't think we even realized. You know, it's different when you're not out front hearing yourselves. But we were actually getting to hear, I dare say it, we we're hearing some of these songs for the first time the way they actually were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? It was, it was kind. Of, it's kind of funny. People say, "What do you mean? You've been playing them all this time." I'm like, "Yeah, but playing them and actually standing in front of the instruments when the songs are being played, two vastly different things." Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. It's a, it's a vastly different thing. Anyway, you people who haven't experienced, get out. Get out. Do something about it. Live.
So you said you started playing quartet, though, while you were still in Geezer Lake. Yes. Um, and originally, it wasn't because I knew I was going to be leaving Geezer Lake. It was out of frustration. Um, I'm not going to make a big, big deal out of this. Nobody wants to hear this. Um, it was getting to the point where I'd been bringing in ideas in Geezer Lake that weren't working. Yeah. I'm not going to get on a big pedestal here and say, they weren't using my ideas. They were on a different plane than I was. Mm -hmm. Looking back on it, I think we were just outgrowing each other. Yeah. I I wanted to do something different. They wanted to do something different. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was any malice involved in any of that. Nothing like that. But at that point, I really and truly believe it would have probably been better for them if they'd had a different drummer. Because my mindset at that point was not working for what they wanted to do. And I don't know. I think to an extent, I probably hurt what they were trying to do more because I was still trying to steer a ship, a certain direction that it was never going to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, amazing what you look at when you're 56 years old, that you don't (laughs) see when you're in your twenties. Yeah. (laughs) Hindsight, you know, (laughs) Oh, just a second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One of the pets is having a party in there. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. It's uh, live. It's live. <laughs> so with, with uh, Clay Quartet, I was getting ready to ask, from the beginning, was that always faith-based, or was, or did it just start off as a project yeah. for you to make noise with? It has always been faith-based, but my ability to do it as, some would say, boldly as I'm doing now, mm-hmm. that didn't really start until 2001 okay um i wanted it to start earlier but i didn't have the courage to I yeah. just come out and say i was i i tried to yes i wanted to and certain parts of it i think were probably presenting themselves more when i realized it mm-hmm. but sometimes i watch old videos of myself from that time period and i told somebody i said you know what i see in that video I see a man trying to steer the ship when God's going, excuse me, I'm the one driving here. Yeah. What are you doing? (laughs) Get away. away, Go away. You know, and then uh, the uh, um, film Armor of God was being made. Mm -hmm. And several things happened within the context of that film that made me focus more on the faith element and you know, I talk about them during the film, and it's like, well, nowhere to run to, nowhere to hide. People are going to see this; they're going to know. If I'm not if I'm not brave enough to do it now. I need to just run away and hide someplace. Yeah. So, you know, that that's really when the uh, more confident side of me started, and I guess over the last that was in 2001. I guess uh, over the past few decades, it's gotten. I would like it is now. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I was I was listening to the newest one earlier today, and I really like what you've done with the newest one too, and just Thanks. the fact that it's 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 you know you're laying it out there. It has, there's not a lot of interpretation in, in some of the things that you've done in this. Help me to be more like you, Jesus, and less like a Christian. Instead of denying people access to church because of their skin color, sexual orientation, or appearance, help me 
I tried to do things more abstract mm-hmm. and I still like to do that because I like people to think in recent years there have been some issues that have popped up that uh, I just I don't want to get too deep into this but to say the least I just um, oh heck I am going to get into it because I don't know any other way to do it I see my fellow Christians and I'm guilty of this from time to time, too. We have this tendency to focus too much on things that are not helping mm-hmm. our fellow. At least that's the way I feel. And I just think we can do a better job with that. Yeah. And from time to time, we forget all about that aspect of it and just focus on what's happening with us. We focus on our salvation. Mm-hmm. We focus on... You know, the fact that we're already Christians, it's almost like we say, well, who cares about these other people? We're already taken care of. And that's not what you're supposed to do as a Christian. the uh, controversy within the LGBT community I have many friends in that community and I'm sure I'll have many many more I've had so many of them tell me that I'm the only Christian that they can even have a conversation with yeah well more often than not um, well somebody will say somebody said to me one time you know they need to have somebody talk to them about uh, you know going to hell etc etc I said look Every person I know in the LGBT community, LGBTQ community, sorry about that, that knows anything about Christianity tells me the same thing because they've heard it 
from the same type of people. They know that these particular people call themselves Christians. Mm-hmm. They, these particular people think that what they're doing as a lifestyle is, quote unquote, sinful. Yeah. They know that these people are, they, in their, they say that these people are doing something that is going to cause them to suffer for all eternity. Um, basically, they know all the bad stuff. Yeah. And very seldom, if ever, does someone ever say to me and say, but I did hear that Jesus uh, has, has died for my sins, et cetera, et cetera. They don't mention that. The salvation part doesn't even come up. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a minister say the other day, and I totally agree with this. He said, first off, walking up to somebody and saying, you know, you're a sinner. It's almost like you're implying that you aren't. Yeah. You know, and he says, the world is supposed to be equal in this. Some people don't understand what the word sin is supposed to be. As a Christian, I believe that we as people in general have sinned against Christ, have sinned against God, however you want to put it. And we are all in the, yes, that means me, it means anybody, mm-hmm. um, of being able to, what's a good way to put it? start over and Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected is that way for Christians. Definitely. That's, I mean, that that's as far as the Christian uh, part of it is, that's absolutely what the Christian faith is. Mm -hmm. And too many times people outside of that community, our, our community, they, they seem to be, they know more about the fire and brimstone, hell and damnation uh, part because People don't want to sit down with them and say, hey, you know, God loves you, too. Jesus loves you, too. And for me to sit and tell somebody that their lifestyle is sinful, when mine is, too, when you get right down to it, as a Christian, we're supposed to believe that our lifestyles are sinful and we need help, Mm -hmm. just like everybody else. We're not supposed to be able to say, oh, what you're doing is sinful, and then not you know, be able to say it ourselves. But yeah. man, I met some people who seem to think they don't have anything to worry about. I'm like, well, that must be nice because I'm not one of them. <laughs> you know, I saw on a, on a church sign one time, it said, uh, perfect people, not welcome. Sinners come one and all. Yeah, I loved it. I <laughs> said, that's it, man. I said, I could go to church here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's just, it amazes me the number of people who have heard um, about Christianity, and it, it seems like a number of them are approached by people who are just angry with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and I'm not going to say that at one time one of those people was probably me, and I'm ashamed of that. Yeah, but that was the case. Um, I'm trying so hard to make up for that, and if anybody's listening or watching this, and you remember me as being a person like that, I ask your forgiveness. What I did was wrong. What I'm saying right now is the way it should be, not the way I presented it the first time. I cannot apologize enough. What I gave you was a very poor uh, definition of what Christianity should be. And what I'm trying to do now is give you the definition that Jesus would want to give you, mm-hmm. not what Scott wants, what Jesus wants. I don't want to give you the Crusades, one of the biggest black eyes on the face of Christ that could ever possibly have possibly happen 
believe like we do or we'll kill you. Mm-hmm. You know, or some fine Christian love, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, that, that it's, it's, there's too much like that. What was Mahatma Gandhi said at best, an eye for an eye leaves everyone blind. Mm-hmm. That's true. But he, he also said something else about it. He said, I, he said, I like your Jesus Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And it, boy, talk about hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched Gandhi again recently, that movie. I've forgotten how good that movie was. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to watch it again, though. But I've forgotten how good it was. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many things that uh, I, if I could go back in time, I, you know, I think everybody says that. Yeah, everybody says that. I just, that. from a spiritual point of view, if I could do some things over. But I, I hope people have seen a positive version of Jesus from me. Oh, definitely. That's, that's exactly what I've tried to give them. I, I, I certainly do. And I was, I was telling my dad about you earlier, just about what, I, what I'm doing or interviewing you and, and what you do. And uh, I said, you know, he's just, he's, he's one of those guys that, that when he speaks, you can tell he's he's very genuine about it all, and, and he comes from a place that that a lot of Thank Christians you. that that my that my dad relates to or sees on Facebook or are friends with. It, it's a very different kind of Christianity. Yeah. First off, I can't thank you for thank you for saying that. It's a, just a different way of presenting it, I guess I should say. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm sorry. So. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Since here he is. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Give me a minute. Sincerity is something that means a great deal to me. Um, I feel like there was a time period when, not just as a Christian, but in other ways, I don't think I was uh, sincere enough. And I've, I try to make a point of being myself now to the point where it's almost... Uh, Oh, like I'm throwing darts at people or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, here comes that Scotty again, you know. And, um, but I, I just, that's something I really believe. I just, you know, being an artificial ingredient in this world, we got enough of that, yeah, yeah. man. I just, I just can't do it. I can't put on airs. I can't, I just, I don't even know how to do yeah. it anymore. Like maybe it's old age or older age, whatever. But I can't act like something I'm not anymore because I'm a terrible actor, I guess. I just, I've I've personally learned that it's best to to be or not to be. That is the question. I've personally learned that it's best to just to be yourself and be as genuine as possible. It's just, life's a lot easier. And it's just, it's, I enjoy being around people that are genuine more than I enjoy the people that are always on. (laughs) Thank you. I hope I'm on. Sometimes (laughs) there's so many days I wonder you know, I, I've told people before, there's so many days I'm so frustrated with myself. I'm wondering if I'm, I'm doing anything that's even getting yeah. through. And then someone like you says something like this, or somebody will send me an email or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's enough fuel. Let's keep going. <laughs> you know, I just, I can't stop, yeah. you know, so, something, will, something will get me back on the track and I'll just keep on going. I'm just grateful. I have a reason yeah. to. <sighs> Okay, let's talk about right. something else. Well, one, one thing Sorry. I did want to ask about oh. about playing quartet. Sorry. When you started off, how was it received? I mean, because, you know, I know how the music scene can be and the people within the music scene. And <laughs> um, 
from a Christian point of view, in the beginning, about as negative as you would probably imagine. From a musical point of view, the results were more mixed. Yeah. First show I played was invitation only because I didn't have the guts to see if just any old person would come to mm -hmm. see me. Um, I invited like 25 people, most of which showed up. And I can honestly say 24 of those people I have never seen in a Glencourt <laughs> show since then. <laughs> Some of which have moved to different areas of the world, so, you know, I can give them that. Yeah. Some, probably after seeing the show that night, wanted to move <laughs> to different areas of the world. Um, so, you know, it, but it, it varies. But, yeah, from the musical point of view, of course, people who are not familiar with um, noise or noisy aspects of uh, music, they're going to be put yeah. off. I probably don't have to tell you that from a Christian point of view, most uh, Christian musicians, that's totally outside yeah. their line of understanding. Um, and, you know, most of the time in those in the olden days, if you will, when I would try to get a show at a uh, Christian place or if I got a show at a Christian place, they would usually want me to put on the, if you want to call it a, the usual dog and pony mm -hmm. show. I would have to give them, they, they would want me to give a testimony of some sort. And my testimony was never graphic enough for them. Mm -hmm. I'm not a recovering drug yeah. addict. I'm not a recovering alcoholic. I'm not trying to brag. I just never got into any mm -hmm. of that stuff. I have a testimony, certainly. But I can't get up and, you know, give them anything, but I can't, you know, I, I can't make up something yeah. like that. And, I actually had people refuse me shows because I couldn't come up with a testimony that, that wasn't powerful enough like that. I'm like, you're trying to tell me that you think just because I'm people, Christians in general, just because they aren't recovering alcoholics or whatever, don't have a powerful testimony. I said, that's a little bit, you know, there's, you, that's like maybe I'm sure there's a large percentage of people who became Christians because mm -hmm. of that. And I'm most certainly not knocking that, but that's not everybody, yeah. you know, uh, had a guy jump up on stage and try to stop me from performing <laughs> at a, it was, this was also in Asheville. And if this was at a so-called Christian place and incidentally, this Christian place had a bouncer okay. you heard directly <laughs> guy got up on stage and, uh, he was trying to stop me from playing, and another guy got up there and got it stopped him. I mean, you know, this was this was crazy. Um, and at, at the end of the night, the guy that actually helped me out, uh, he told me, he says, "I got to give you this, man. Bible says not to conform to the world." He says, "You don't conform to any world I've ever seen, brother." <laughs> Which was, you know, probably the only really nice thing I heard the entire night. It that show did not go well at all. I went back to my hotel room and watched a boxing match. <laughs> I, I yeah. needed it. Oh, man. Anyway, anyway, but, you know, that was just a live and learn kind of thing. Funny thing is, though, several years later, I played some horse shows in Asheville. Totally different audience. That yeah. went great. But, you know, the majority of the people that come to see me are not Christian. <laughs> However, from time to time, 
um, there was a, a group of uh, um, people from a Catholic church that actually came to see me on a field trip in okay. Florida. That yeah. was great, man. I said, I said, I'm a field trip. This is great, <laughs> you know. But they came up and we were talking and everything. And I said, you have no idea what an honor it is to know that you did this. This is great. You know, and we were talking about different things. I said, I didn't even know people within you know, a community like this even knew who I was more, not even thinking that they want to actually bring people to come yeah. to see me. But, you know, some of those people I'm still in touch with on Facebook and everything. That's it was awesome. great. I think some of the other acts on that noise bill, they were probably going, what on <laughs> earth? Because it was a full, it was St. Pete Noise okay. Festival. And, you know, I'm on there with, well, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's a noise mm. festival. that They don't have those anymore, but I played oh good grief five or six of those and those were generally pretty intense and i think some of my best shows in uh the u.s were probably at those shows i don't know why but um those fests just brought out good things in me several videos on my youtube channel are, are from yeah. those and also managed to get good films there so that's always nice but yeah um i just had unusually good times there um and uh, I, I was, I'm like, well, you brought a, you brought a group to see me. I'm glad it was on a good night. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's just interesting. Though. I made a joke once. I said, I know I've reached the top when someone like Westboro Baptist Church has a <laughs> sign that says God hates Clint Quartet. <laughs> that would be on the cover of an well, album. Well, I'm pretty sure like if you that. got, and if I you got said, on their radar. That chick's dead, man. How about a chick track with Clint Quartet? <laughs> that would <one>. be <laughs> I could retire, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> Clay Quartet, it's 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 re recording project as well as performance art. Yes. Did at it start moment, as predominantly one or the other? I'm, I'm sorry, last thing you said? I was just asking if it started as predominantly one more than the other, and if it's still kind of, what, what are you in doing the, with it today? In the beginning, <laughs> it was just live shows, although I did have mm -hmm. an idea in, my, in the back of my head about how to record something, and... I was actually going to wait to see if a label would help me put something out. Yeah. And Gene Chadbourne, actually, who I've had the pleasure of playing music with mm -hmm. uh, in the past, he actually talked me into He said, put it out yourself, man. He said, don't wait for somebody else to do it. He says, you putting something out might get the attention of someone else anyway, which it did. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Gene. Um, but yeah, um, I put out a couple, just a couple of cassettes, and uh, most of what's on those cassettes I have re-released on a, a few um, CDs and everything. But most of what I did then was quite different than what the show was. Eventually, mm -hmm. I started recording live shows and releasing them under different names. Yeah. So there's some of those out there too. But yeah, um, at one point, one particular year, I played 150 shows. 
Oh, wow. That's a record I don't plan on trying to beat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I, at the end of the year, I'm like, man, it, it occurred to me at least a third of those shows were probably, I don't mean to sound hoity-toity here, but they were probably beneath me, but I played mm-hmm. them anyway. Some were probably out of my reach, mm-hmm. and the rest of them, well, those went pretty well. Yeah. You know, it's just funny looking back on it. Though, so I'm like, how did I even get this show? And other times it'd be like, why did I get this show? <laughs> and other times I'm like, man, this is great. I got this show. So it was a little bit of everything that year. But uh, um, that's before I even met my wife. And uh, I told her about that. And she's like, are you going to try to do that again? I said, I don't think that would ever happen. And you know, most of the time when I tour or something like that, I, I have toured in, you know, more recent years, it's been something much more worthwhile. You know, mm-hmm. you go from playing stuff like that to touring with people like Acid Mother's Temple and Ariel Pink and playing different shows with a bunch of different people that, you know, mm-hmm. are far more well-known. I, I'd say that's an improvement. It certainly helped oh, yeah. out. You know, it helped me out a lot more. <laughs> yeah, you know? Definitely. At the moment, I stopped doing live shows uh, when COVID uh, hit. Mm -hmm. And in recent years, I've focused more on recording. Part of the reason, the main reason, is I felt like while during the the whole COVID thing, I was going to try and rebuild the show. I could not come up with any new ideas that didn't. Everything, it just felt like I was rehashing everything. Yeah. You know, I'm really, really into creativity and it just felt like I was recycling the same things over and over again. But, um, I had a set of pedals that I used exclusively, uh, guitar effect pedals that I used exclusively for playing quartet. And I had some that I used for playing guitar and stuff, you know, more, if you want to call it traditional music. Mm -hmm. Um, and while the, uh, pandemic was going on, I thought, you know what? I'm going to mix these up. I'm going to put them all together on one big board. And it's not the size of say what Kevin Shields might play, but it's pretty large. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Shields is from my bloody Valentine. You folks who are wondering, <laughs> um, and he has what three pedal boards. I believe it is. Yeah. I ain't got that much. <laughs> but what I have looks like, uh, nothing compared to him. But, um, I do have, uh, it's actually two pedal boards, but I've got them up there next to one another. So it looks like one big one, Mm. but, um, people say, do you use all of them at one time? And I'm like, yeah, if I want it to sound like a mudslide, I said, (laughs) what I do is I've got like, I'll have like, say a chorus, then a distortion pedal, then a reverb, then a distortion pedal. What I do is get different sensations from each different distortion pedal and the distortion pedals get more let's call it gnarly as the as the chain gets longer mm-hmm. so we start off with like uh just like a you know Jimi hendrix fuzz face kind of thing and at the end of the chain we have a dod buzz buzz box or something like mm-hmm. that you know so we get uglier as it goes down the line <laughs> Uh, you know, and there's other things in the middle. And I just like to mix those things up. And I was playing the guitar through some of those, and I'm like, this is wacky. 
you know, and I, I'd never even tried it. And it was, I told, I was, Benji was laughing so hard at this, Benji Johnson. I told him, I said, hey, I actually used a wah pedal for something traditional. Um, I said, I was actually playing the guitar through it. I said, this is great. He was laughing his head off. <laughs> and I said, I used a pitch shifter for the same thing. I said, I'm using all these pedals for the things they were actually meant to be used <laughs> You know, I said, I said, I've done everything in reverse. I said, I, I said, I've been doing unconventional so long, I'm having to learn conventional. He was laughing so hard. You know, but uh, yeah, it's been fun. Um, The unconventional has really influenced my idea of conventional and you know when I say conventional most people would say that's what you call conventional you know uh, <laughs> my, my conventional is not conventional but it's conventional for me let's put it that way but yeah I love playing the Gibson SG through that uh, board though and playing some of those uh, pedals or whatever it brings out a different element in that guitar take my word for it yeah. I didn't even know this thing had that kind of sound in it. Maybe it didn't until I used it through these pedals. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's the recording part. I've I've gotten some creativity out of this that I had not even realized that I could get out of it, and I've been trying to display that on some of the more recent releases. And um, one of them also uh, the um, not the one the more recent one that's out now, but the one that came out in uh, twenty one. Mm -hmm. uh, Judge thy neighbor, love thyself. Mm -hmm there are a lot of guitar riffs on there and somebody asked me about that it said it's said it's almost like you were doing uh like a mainstream rock album and i said the funny thing is i had those riffs put aside for something else mm -hmm. never could finish them and didn't want to go through the hassle of trying to rename it give it a you know try to get a name established etc cetera, etc cetera. and i'm like man I remember how hard it was to get Clank Quartet's name out there. Yeah. And I'm like, who am I to say? Who is anybody else to say that I can't use what I just what I've recorded within the context of Clank Quartet? Yeah. Am I suggesting Clank Quartet cannot grow? Who's in charge of that? Yeah. 
You know? I, and I, I thought, I've done some weird stuff with Clan Quartet in the past. What can I do with these? And I wound up using all of that. And I wound, it's funny because I wound up getting some attention and reviews that were better than any I'd gotten in years. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a magazine that normally avoids me like the plague, I wound up in one of their year-end charts in the top 10 oh, nice. uh, best year-end rele- releases. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, and I'm like, man, this, there's something wrong with this picture, but I'm not going to change yeah, it. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's stuff like that, though. And I'm just like, it's just, it's just funny to me how me doing something like that got people's attention suddenly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that many guitar riffs on this more recent release, but there are a couple. And um, one of which actually made it onto uh, one of the songs. Yeah, I use the word song. Um, we used for a video, and uh, somebody was commenting on that and said, uh, somebody reviewed it and said, uh, uh, Clan Quartet's most conventional, and conventional we mean they compared it to, uh, I think they said Ministry and Swans yeah. and people like that. Said, so in other words, not <laughs> <Yeah>. conventional. <laughs> um, you know, I laughed. I said, yeah, I can see the comparison though with those, but uh, the song The Abortion Card, which uh, was also my first actual video, incidentally too so that was a lot of fun so yeah. anyway okay uh, we've talked about you've mentioned benji johnson a couple of times you mentioned benjamatic i believe is the name of the project benjamatic was the band we were in together yeah. and time to time we'll still get together and do something I guess and then we just got interested in doing other things and pretty much that's how it's happened Benji uh, runs a recording studio called Earth Tones mm-hmm. and I mean he does all kind of things uh, different things he does uh, work for TV shows he's worked on the Star Wars uh, is it Mandalorian is that what it's yeah. called yeah. He's, he's done work for that he's done um, some work on, uh, I don't, it was one of the, uh, primetime, uh, crime shows on the CBS. And I can't yeah. remember. It was like CSI or NCIS. One of those, one There's of the ones, so many of them, <laughs> a, a really good one. But, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he, he'll work on it and say, I can't say anything about it, but then it'll come out and he'll be like, I worked on that, you know, but. There's, yeah. there's so many different things, and he worked on, uh, as a guitar player, tremendous talent by the name of Eric Gales. He was up mm-hmm. for the Grammy this last time, and yeah. Benji would have been, you know, so so Benji's actually, you know, a, a Grammy nominee now, you know, oh, and it's, wow. it's, it's, so I'm like, how did you wind up playing with me, you know? It's just kind of funny. <laughs> Benji has come a long way. When I first met Benji, he, he was still operating out of a... Uh, I think it was it was a storage shed 
That's what it was. I remember that. It was, <laughs> man, it was cold in that place, too. I remember that. But I was in a band called Elvis X at that time. And actually, Elvis X is where I started putting some of the electronic stuff together that would later wind up in Clang Quartet. Okay. There's another book I can't even get into right now. But <laughs> we were recording what would become our first and only full length. But while I was there, he also asked me, he said, you know, you ever want to record some Clang Quartet stuff with me? I'd love to do something. I said, I'm going to take you up on that. And I recorded yeah. what became the majority of uh, Separation of Church and Hate, which came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, or, yeah, 2003. Anyway, um, but yeah, the uh, he moved to another building not long after that, and he's in a space now that's much larger, much nicer. And, oh, yeah, he's, you know, it, it, it's just funny. He's, you know, there, you'll see pictures of him on his side where he's been hanging out with like Darius Rucker and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just so funny. And it's just, it's an everyday thing for him. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, how in the world you wind up playing with me? You know, but people say <laughs> he, he's like the, he's probably the least known person with, um, uh, we haven't really talked about him yet, but, um, the, uh, uh, um, spirit of hamlet and i'm like yeah he may not be mm-hmm. known name wise but take my word for it he's known in other circles and he needs yeah, to be yeah. otherwise because i you know musically <laughs> speaking too he's not just a great producer man i love what he does musically and obviously mike and makoto did too because he was like you know can i maybe uh add something to this and we're like yeah sure and yeah. they were like hey you want to add everything to this so we're like hey do it <laughs> Yeah. Well, he's he's getting all those people involved together too. Anyway, you yeah. were going to say something. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, did, did, I believe you said that he's kind of the way you got hooked up with Mike Watt in the first place, isn't he? Well, not Mike Watt specifically, but okay. Mike Watt found out about me through a gentleman whose name I cannot remember, and I am so. If, if you're watching this, I am so sorry. I can't remember who it was. Ah, he contacted me out of the blue. And he said, and I, when he said Mike Watt, I said, wait a minute, the Mike Watt? Mm-hmm. He said, the guy used to play bass with the Minutemen and the Stooges? I said, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. And I said, wow. I said, are you sure he'd be interested in what I do? I said, he knows it's a Christian-based show and everything. And anyway, we went back and forth on all this. And every single thing I said, he said, Mike's cool with it. I said, okay, let's book a date. Um Went on the show with him. It went really well. And at the end of the show, after he had recorded everything he wanted to, he says, man, I'd love to collaborate sometime. And I said, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I said. I just sat there with my mouth. I'm like, oh, uh, you want a what? You know, and I'm, I said, uh, uh, yes, Mr. Watt, I'd love to do that. And I didn't tell him about that. I said, man, I went fanboy supreme when you said that. <laughs> you know, I, I sat in that chair for like five minutes going, like, Watt wants to do something with me. Wow. And I was just, you know, trying to get over that. But anyway, I wound up doing another. I've, I've been on his show three times. I did a Halloween yeah. show with him um, that same year. And, uh, Anyway, during that time period, we were talking more about um, some of the different things. Well, actually, by that point, we'd actually gotten something started. You know, I sent him uh, a couple of emails, and I'm like, you know, what did you have in mind? And ultimately, what happened is we just decided who we're going to get involved, 
And originally it was just me, Mike, and Makoto. I didn't think mm-hmm. Benji'd even want to be involved, but Benji recorded my drum parts and mm-hmm. sent the files to Mike and uh, Makoto. Um, but what what it was, I just went in and just played uh, drum set. I decided yeah. to keep it just a drum set. I thought there's going to be enough electronic, uh, you know, stuff on here with everybody else. I knew Makoto's stuff was going to be just off the wall, crazy, you know, noisy mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to let him take care of that. I do that on plenty of other things, but I'm just going to play drums on this. You know, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to try to take away what, from what he was doing. And I thought that'll give mm-hmm. me a chance to focus more on just drums. And, as, you know, as much as I love doing the other stuff, drums are still my home. That's, that's my home. Yeah, yeah. It's a chance just to sit down and do that. It was a lot of fun. But I went in, I just had like some basic ideas, didn't have any song structures or anything. I just had like written uh, basic, this kind of beat, this kind of beat, jagged beats, et cetera, uh, swing sort of beat, et cetera. You know, I just went in and just started recording them. And Benji recorded all of them for me. And it was, uh, I think we might have had nine pieces originally, and we used eight. Um, the ninth one was one I was like, eh, I don't know about that one. Let's not worry about that one. Um, yeah. I may be wrong, though. Um, at, we may have used all of them. It's been a while. Um, took us a long time to get this thing put together and everything. Mm-hmm. That's because two of us are in North Carolina. One of us is in uh, California, and another one of us yeah. is in Japan. Yeah. And none of us were in the studio together at the same time. So by the yeah. miracle of the internet, we were able to do it, you know, through the, uh, um, the, uh, uh, file sharing and all this. And I'm amazed at the number of people who were like, it sounds like you guys were actually in the studio together on a couple of things. And I'm like, I'm just as shocked as you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool the way it turned out. Like, because you recorded the drums, then just the, everything was added on top of that. Uh, and yeah, it sounds drums like, are not usually the instrument people start with. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, well, I know I'm taking a little bit of a dare here, but I actually did have in my mind what might work within a song context. So I did yeah. actually try to think of other people. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I tried <laughs> to. You know, and there's a couple of things that um, I definitely thought, okay, they might play this here. Maybe something along this line, they'll play something like this. But I didn't tell them, to, you know, what to play on any of them. I said, I'm going to let yeah. them come up with their own parts. And I'm happy to say not one single song has anything that I thought they would play. They were totally <laughs> against everything I thought. It was great. I thought about yeah. myself, not a single thing on there even resembles what I thought you guys would play. And I said, that's great because, I, you know, if I'd given them the instructions or whatever, that would be, it'd be another Scotty album, you know, and I, I this is a band. I want it to be all of us, but I just yeah. thought that was so funny. Cause I'm like, I would have never even imagined playing a rhythm like that <laughs> over that drum beat. But you know, that's four different people playing four different things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet it, it, it winds up being just one thing. And, uh, you know, that, that was, that was part of the fun of it. I'm like, yeah. I went. I know I went the right way, letting them come up with their own parts. That was just great. So you know, yeah. And there, there will be a part a follow up. We've already talked about getting me in the studio and coming up with some more drum stuff. So, sweet coming soon. <laughs> I guess this will be our Empire Strikes Back version. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a great record, <laughs> and I guess the the spirit of Hamlet. That's that's a reference to Hamlet, North Carolina, where John Coltrane's from. Correct. 
Yes. Um, Mike, did Mike Watt come up actually, with the name? Exactly. Um, yeah. Part of that is because uh, we all are to an extent. Um, but Mike is really, really big into John Coltrane. Oh, um, I used to live in a little town called Cander. That's about 16 miles from Hamlet. I didn't grow up in Hamlet, but I grew up in Cander. The small town, small town vibe is still there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, t- I said to an extent, this is almost like I'm bringing in my hometown, sort of. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. in that area. It's closer to being uh, a Cander uh, mentality than, say, a Greensboro mentality or a, where I'm living now, Stokesdale, North Carolina, which is uh, in the uh, northwest Guilford part of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not that far from Winston-Salem. It's probably the closest town. Um, but um, the uh, vibe and everything, a lot of people pass through that area when they're going to uh, the beach. Mm-hmm. And uh, Benji also took some film footage based on that for one of the videos that we used. Um, and uh, so, I mean, we, you know, we combined all these different elements. Somebody I went to uh, school with from Candor uh, is the town manager of Hamlet. So, I mean, you know, different things like, yeah, yeah. I, said, <laughs> I said, Hey, you guess what we're doing? We're going to call it spirit of Hamlet. And she's like, Oh, that's great, man. And uh, <laughs> I told her about, you know, um, where we're going to try to get some photos and everything. I said, I don't think we need, any uh, photos? I said, but if we do, or could you help us get into this? She says, I can help you do any of that if you need to. As it turned out, we didn't need any, but uh, she was yeah. so she was really cool about that. And, you know, I said, nah, this isn't something you're gonna be able to, you know, play for the whole town or whatever. I said, I'd love for <laughs> you to do it, but I don't think it'd work. But she says, well, I want to hear it, so you know. But uh, and that would be Michelle Pippin. Um, I can't think of her married name. Sorry, Michelle. I'm sorry, Michelle's husband. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Michelle was like, oh, that's great. So, you know, but, uh, and uh, Coltrane died the year that I was born, which I was not born in Candor, but I spent, uh, was it 11 years? No, nine years. Nine. It was, we were there from 74 like June of 74 until we moved from there roughly 40 years ago, which was in 83. So yeah. nine years. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's also where I started playing drums in uh, you know, elementary school and everything, or excuse me, middle school. And, yeah. uh, you know, so there's a little connection there too. And, um, I said, yeah, we can make this work. And, um, you may or may not know this, but uh, it says northwest of Hamarito. Hamarito, um, northwest is a reference to the fact that we are slightly north. Me and Benji, slightly mm-hmm. north of Hamlet. West is a reference to Mike. Hamarito, yeah. Hamarito is actually Japanese for Hamlet. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so we got us all in there that way. So. Yep. <laughs> Their town name is named after the uh, town in, uh, or the, excuse me, the uh, Shakespeare play. So people yeah. asked me if it was named after Shakespeare. I said, well, uh, yes and no. Indirectly. <laughs> Indirectly, yes, exactly. <laughs> Indirectly. It's, it's a great record. I'll, I'll, it, I, I, do you know where it's, it's, is it on, what, where is it at on Bandcamp? Is it on, uh, is it spiritofhamlet.bandcamp.com? It's or is it? Spirit of Hamlet, yeah. 
Um, I'll, I'll link to a lot of stuff in the in. Find it on Google. I know you can find it on Google. Yeah. Yeah. We we've got a I, Facebook page and everything too. So yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll link to it on in the description of the podcast as well as pretty much anything else I play on here too. Because I'll, I'll put Thank music you. in, some play bits and pieces, and I always like people to know where they can find everything. Because I, I don't play the whole thing. Okay. The, the idea is for people to hear it and go, I need to buy that. Well, or at least stream it somewhere. It would be very nice if somebody thought that. I know that there's still some vinyl copies available. And, of course, with downloading being so popular these days, that's, of course, a major option. But, yeah, we wanted to make sure we had uh, a physical copy of it available. It's yeah, on yeah. Uh, kind of a marble gray colored vinyl. They came out really nice. It yeah, sounds. I got a copy of it. I played one on my uh, turntable, our turntable, when we got one. It sounded so good coming through those speakers, man. <laughs> yeah. I've played it a couple of times since I got it. It's, it's a great record. I, and listen to it on, you know, online as well. Um, really good. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Mike Watt anyway, so yeah, pretty much anything he does, I want to hear. <laughs> Look at that body of work he's got, man. Yeah. I think I mentioned in, you know, that the first segment about you know, first seeing him with the Minuteman and seeing it on MTV and just the fact that years later I'm playing a, you know, a record, doing a record with him. It's just, it's just mm-hmm. funny to me. And, yeah. you know, this was before D Boone's tragic end. Um, but, uh, you know, it never even occurred to me. And incidentally, Keezer Lake used to listen to double nickels on the dime quite a mm-hmm. bit when we were, you know, we would tour. We listened to Firehose some too, and uh, I discovered Iggy Pop and the Stooges on my own, and um, actually played a show once with Steve McKay, their sax player, great guy. Somebody was telling me that uh, they were hanging out with uh, Steve McKay or whatever, and they said Steve McKay got a call and said, "I need to take this," and said, "Guess who that was?" So it was Iggy Pop. Stooges are getting back together. <laughs> Brady was there when it happened, you know. And, uh, they, said, they said we don't know who we're going to get as a, you know, for the full band. But you know, the, at this is, most of them were still alive. They the Ashton brothers and everything. And, um, mm. They said at the time uh, they were still talking about who they were going to get for a bass player. It just so happened. I think Mike had played with Scott Ashton at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, good name. Yep. <laughs> Well, is there anything else you want to talk about or anything more you want to talk about with the Clan Quartet? I'll just say this. Um, I've been playing music since 1979 in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. A lot of things didn't go the way that I thought they would, and I praise God for that because if they had, I probably wouldn't be sitting here now. Um, a lot of things that I thought were going to be a certain way the closer I got to them, I realized they weren't that way at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I first started playing, I actually thought that big, I was so naive. I thought, you know, that I, I love, I love arena shows, big shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I actually thought that was like your only real option. I'd never been to a club show before. And it was when I started attending those that I realized the intimacy that's there and just what kind of impact you can have on something like that. I will never, ever forget the first time I saw the unsane. I was as close to them as I am the doorway. Oh, actually I was closer to them than I am the doorway in this room. Mm-hmm. I'm talking. 
and it was one of the most intense experiences I have ever had. And no arena show's ever done that for me. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought, you know, being able to do that, other people have told me they've had similar experiences uh, with my performances. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I ain't no one saying, but I appreciate <laughs> that. You know? But, uh, you know, I, I just feel very blessed to have been able to do what I do for as long as I've been able to do it. And I've met so many wonderful people along the way. Um, I praise God that I picked up the drumsticks the first time. Yeah. I, you know, and it was kind of, like I said, it was kind of out of boredom. Um, I don't normally say boredom is a good thing, but maybe in the back of my mind, even though I said it was boredom, there were a couple of things that had happened before that that made me think about drums. And probably the most influential one before that time period was seeing Elvis twice. I saw Rick Nelson first, but I saw Elvis and he had Ron Tutt was his drummer at the time. The second time we saw Elvis, we had better seats and we were actually not that far from the stage. And I remember watching him and he was watching Ron Tutt. Ron Tutt was watching him and everybody else in that band was watching them. Mm -hmm. But they they were kind of like, you know, I was just noticing the communication between those two. And Ron Tutt was a fantastic drummer. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing him, and I just remember thinking, hmm, that looks like fun. <laughs> hmm. And then years later, I just, you know, it, it, it didn't even occur to me, really, that that might have uh, been planted in my brain. But, of course, yeah. Once I started playing a little bit, I'm like, you know, I bet that somehow that has to be in here. No, oh, yeah, that has to be in here. You know, it's funny, but yeah, I just, I'll just sum it up and say I feel like I'm one of the most blessed individuals in the world. There's so many things that could have happened um, that didn't, but ultimately, I think they didn't because they weren't supposed to. Yeah, I'm just grateful the things that happened did. You know, I met a lot of great people. Met my wife. Mm-hmm. Because I was playing music, I think I've become a better person because I played music. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> met you because I played music. Yep, <laughs> that's true. But I'm for one, I'm glad you exist, Scotty. I'm glad you're out there. You're one of a kind. You. You're one of my favorite North Carolina musicians just because of that. Uh, because Thank there you. aren't many people that are willing to take the kind of chances you did, and and especially with putting your faith forward like you do, I think that's super awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Sometimes I think, why on earth am I doing this? And then somebody will remind me, who else is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like you're reminding me of where the target on my head is, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't, I guess ultimately someone does have to do it. And we've frozen up again. <laughs>
This has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production. So this will probably end the same way it did last time. But you're probably not hearing a word I'm saying because I think we've lost the connection now. Um, let me see. There's nothing I can do on my end to fix this. And I have a feeling that just like Sunday, it's going to just disconnect here in a second. There we go. Just like that. So...